0: we will explore the questions concerning the role of technology in sport. Technologies are not just neutral things or equipment, but they can have a significant influence on the values we ascribe to sport and even whether and how we find sport meaningful. Does technology make sport more inclusive, more safe and more fair? Or can there be some adverse effects as well? Are there some good uses and bad uses of technology? I'm very delighted to have Dr. Emily Ryle helping us tackle these questions today. This is the second episode with Emily, and if you listened to the first episode already, you will know that we have somewhat accidentally ended up discussing some of these issues already, such as runners' obsession with their GPS watches and counting steps and, and that kind of things. So I'm I'm very excited to learn more about this topic and and hope you are too. To introduce our guest, Emily is a reader in applied philosophy at the University of Gloucestershire, and she has written extensively on philosophical and ethical issues in sport. Welcome to the podcast again, Emily, and I'm really delighted to have you discussing this topic with me today. Thank you. I think last time it was quite interesting, the discussions that we started delving on in in terms of technology and how it's so common, and we have various types of technologies in sport helping us helping us do that and uh, as critical scholars point out technology is not just kind of neutral equipment and neutral aids but but it can also change our relationship with sport perhaps we can start exploring that a little bit and and you can share us a bit about your own thinking and and what kind of work you have done in this area
1: Thanks I mean I'm fascinated by technology in sport I think sport is inherently a technological enterprise and uh, I always tend to start some of my classes by asking students to think of a sport that doesn't require any technology and they usually get stumped I had one (laughs) I I had one um, suggestion once of arm wrestling doesn't involve any technology but I suppose if you think about the table that's required to arm wrestle then that could be Considered a form of technology, so it's really hard to think of any kind of sport that doesn't use technology, even in its most kind of basic. So, even even kind of running, you you think about the technology of of footwear. I think, or or certainly thinking about sports rather than exercise. So, obviously, you can you could in theory run it in bare feet and naked, um, but the only way that you could judge as to you know your your time or distance would be using a a measuring device or a a stopwatch. So sport as a competitive exercise requires some form of technology. And I I think that's, we've got to start with a question about, well, what do you mean by technology? Because I said earlier, I said, oh, well, you think of the, the table that's used in arm wrestling, that's a form of technology. Um, and technology itself, I suppose is quite difficult to define. So you can, you can think of technology as kind of things, artifacts, um, that help you or enable you to do something. Um, so they're things that are specifically designed to solve a particular problem. So n- normally we th- when we think about technology, we think about quite advanced technology, but actually technology can be very basic. So it can be using uh, a stick to push a ball around. Um, so technology can encompass a whole kind of wide range of, of different types of things. Um, I think it's also, I, I quite like thinking of technology as well as a kind of attitude that we have towards the world. And um, there's a there's a philosopher called Martin Heidegger, and he talked about the technological attitude. And that's to me, that's a kind of an inherently human way of thinking about the world. It's a way of looking around us and looking at things in the world and thinking how can we how can we use them for our benefit. So I think as humans, we're inherently technological creatures because of the way that we we view our world, the way that we look at our world, the way that we divide it up into different elements that can be used for our purposes. So I quite like the way of thinking about technology as an attitude, as well as some artifacts or stuff that we can touch and hold.
0: You mentioned the work of Heidegger. And and that's interesting. I've I've also read like, uh, I mean, obviously, he's talking in being and time about the different ways that the world shows up to us as meaningful so we see things not as just kind of natural or neutral objects, but yep. they are things that help us to do something in the world. So we are first and foremost practical beings who are engaged with things that we care about. But then on the other hand, Heidegger also in his later work, this question concerning technology, he has some quite critical thoughts about how our technological era is making us all see the world as as nothing more than resources to be used for our own purposes and
1: I think I think he was right there in the fact that this technological attitude is 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 kind of I I guess limiting in the sense that actually it's very instrumental in the way that we kind of conceive of the world and our on our way that we kind of navigate through it and I think that shows itself in sport because in sport we're always looking for that kind of technological advantage and you only have to see it again you know the other day in the kind of the marathon running when the world records were being smashed and people were saying well it's it's just the shoes or it's 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 another form of technology that just enables us to beat records and I think so I think Heidegger's right in kind of warning us off that technological attitude but I also think that he he was right in saying actually that that is something that probably we are we kind of the way that we as humans are we do we do notice problems or what we perceive to be problems and we think about how we can resolve or solve them and we do that by looking at around us and thinking right I could use that that artifact or that implement to to solve this problem so I think inherently we are technological creatures as well despite you know as as Heidegger warns the limitations and the problems around that.
0: So yeah technology is something that we use it all the time. And I guess in sport, just like you said, that we have always been looking for ways to do things, improve the way we do things in sport. And we are trying to do things more efficiently. Like we talked last time that actually you are making your life more difficult. But with, for example, the golf uh, that you talked about, why would you? It's not the most efficient way to to hit the ball with that kind of <laughs> equipment. But so we are trying to be efficient with, uh, with what we do in sport in, in some ways. So, for example, running shoes are making it a lot easier and, and uh, uh, I guess preventing injuries as well when we run. But so if we think of technologies in sport and, and we talked about values of sport and intrinsic and extrinsic values of sport, last time so perhaps we can start developing those reflections and, and relations a little bit
1: yeah so i think in terms of kind of the intrinsic value of sport um and, and we talked about this last time is that ideally kind of the intrinsic value in sport is being part of a moment being able to try and and, and push yourself and test yourself and see how skillful you are or how you can develop your skills. Um, As well as those kind of intrinsic values in relation to what constitutes a a good life, what makes a life worth living. I think when we start instrumentalizing sport and we're really just looking at the results and how to make our times faster, that's when I think we kind of we move away from the the whole point of sport. Um, And you you kind of highlighted the fact that technology. We often look for those. Technological solutions to, you know, enhance our performance or to make our times faster, but actually, it's—is it really making our times faster or is it just kind of giving us an an edge? It's not. It might not be actually increasing our running ability, for example, but it might be making our running a bit more efficient. Um, and I think I think is, it's a really interesting paradox that you highlighted because. Sport, by its nature, is deliberately making things difficult. So, as we said, you know, if, if the the aim of a, a playing golf was to put a ball in a, a cup, then why would you start, however many hundred yards away, and use a, a thin piece of metal to be able to hit that ball? And why would you put all of those other rules in place? So, sport, by its um, inherent nature is an inefficient kind of way of doing things and yet at the same time we try to we want to try and make them as a, as efficient as possible so if we can find a golf club that actually means that we're less likely to you know slice the ball off course if we, if it means that we're more likely to hit it straight down the fairway then we we might choose to use it but there's got to be a balance because if imagine a goal like we play golf and uh, we came across a golf club that was it was such a brilliant piece of technology that it meant every time you hit the ball you got a hole in one in a way you wouldn't want to play golf anymore because the golf itself would just become boring um, so sport has to be a kind of test of skills that makes it interesting enough to want to carry on doing and so technology is a way of trying to I guess, hopefully, increase our interest, increase our enjoyment, increase the meaning that we attach to sport. Rather than just making sport easier, we want to make sport better.
0: I mean, we are are really talking about the paradox, just like you said. So if we think of technology, I, I think we will probably come to some kind of conclusion that there will be good ways to use technology and there might be not so good ways of using that. But if we explore some of the dangers of, of technology and and maybe that's certain kinds of uh, technology or excessive use of technology what would what would those maybe
1: be well I think there's different different problems with technology so one of the, one of the problems is as we've just discussed it it can kind of render sport a bit meaningless if the competitions become, you know, uh, uninteresting. So for instance, if everybody played golf with super golf clubs, that meant everybody was getting holes in one, then, you know, it wouldn't be worth playing. It wouldn't be worth watching. So you want some kind of interest, interest in sport to make it difficult enough that you can kind of start to separate and rank competitors. And I think there's a question of kind of fairness there. So one of the, you might remember, you know, it was, what was it, it was about to sort of 10, 11 years ago, there was a controversy around the shark skin swimming costumes. And these were these polyurethane swimming costumes that uh, effectively aided swimmers' buoyancy and um, the aerodynamics through the water. And it meant that actually they could swim faster. Well, the controversy over that was so many records were getting broken that, again, people just said, well, actually, it's not the swimmers getting faster. It's the fact that they're wearing these swimming costumes. So it kind of rendered the competition kind of worthless and certainly it was difficult to rank records where competitors wore the swimming costume against those records where they hadn't worn the swimming costume but moreover than that it, there was an issue around fairness and equity because these swimming costumes were exclusive so only particular athletes that were sponsored by particular companies were able to access the swimming costumes they weren't available to everybody and it and then you've got to think, well is it fair sport? If you've got some competitors that have got access to this technology which isn't available to everybody else, then do they have an unfair advantage? So there's a question around fairness there.
0: And I guess then when sport becomes uh, also a competition between like teams and and countries and resources, um, I guess uh, another like obvious example is something like Formula One that we know that only certain cars, are kind of up to the level that it's possible to win driving that car. So it's it's like, obviously, the competitors are not on the same, same line because some of them have such a big technological advantage that it's impossible to overcome. Um,
1: so Formula One is a really interesting example because it's we think of it as such a technological sport it isn't just about the driver's ability to drive a car but it's also about uh, the 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 kind of constructors the engineers the 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 science behind it all so there's obviously a constructors championship which is really around um, how well the car is designed and what kind of technological solutions have they come up um, with there's obviously rules involved in terms of ensuring that no team has such an advantage that they'll blow away the competition so there's still some restrictions on the technology Um, but I think Formula One is an interesting example because although there have been other attempts to try and um, create motor racing whereby um, drivers effectively drive the same car with the same technology they haven't been as well received as the tr- traditional formula 1 competitions so i think we kind of like the idea that technology and science provides us with kind of this this notion of progress or making things better or in formula 1's case faster
0: i i think when last time we talked about amateurism and the idea that you kind of show up on the day and you you play with what you have and yeah. i guess at that time the it was not about having resources that that kinda of the principle was that anyone could be able to show up and play. But I guess a lot of sport even if you think of something like triathlon, if you want to do that in a non elite level, you, you need quite expensive equipment which already makes it quite elitist like you have to spend quite a lot of money on your bike and, and and other things to be able to compete at all.
1: Yeah. I mean it'd be I think it'd be interesting to think of a, a sport where you you literally turn up and you didn't know what equipment you were going to be given. So it was almost a kind of, here you go, here's your equipment, um, see what you can do with it. So everybody has the same equipment. I know that they do it in some kind of a, a equestrian um, sports where you turn up and you don't know which horse you're going to ride. And actually the idea is behind it it shows your ability as a horse rider rather than, you know, which technologically advanced horse you've got in, in that sense
0: yeah what are your thoughts should the sports be organized more often in a way that you know everybody gets the same equipment and 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 you see what you can do with that
1: I don't I don't think they should be I mean maybe there should be more rules uh, around and th- there are rules around kind of the limits of of technology and that they're always being tested by by companies and uh, by the sports governing bodies. Um, but actually, individuals get used to and, and have um, they have preference for a particular, I don't know, a football boot, for example, or a particular tennis racket. So actually, sometimes it's down to personal preference. Um, so I think there has to be scope to allow kind of an individual preference to be within that even though you might want to restrict in terms of the kind of the limits of the technology that, that's used. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go all the way to say, right, everybody has to use the same exactly the same tennis racket or everybody has to, you know, wear exactly the same football boots. I wouldn't I wouldn't go down that route. Um, but I think that I think the difficulty for governing bodies is is creating rules which allow for innovation, but don't don't kind of render sport unfair or or meaningless.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess the second part to explore with this technology question is that in in some cases technology is is probably making sports safer, or or that would be the intention. So we talked about Formula One, and you know now that the cars have been developed, they are a lot more safe than what they used to be twenty years ago or thirty years ago. There are a lot less crashes. And at the same time, we could see that technology helps to prevent athletes getting injured. You can assess their training load and you can see that when you are overreaching and then you can kind of have a break before, before you actually go full blown overtrained. So yeah, I, uh, those might be examples of when technology has helped us to make sport safer. But are there also some, some risks to technology? Is, is that? Sometimes not the case that it becomes safer.
1: Well, I think paradoxically, again, we've got this revenge effect of technology that sometimes um, technology that was introduced to make sport safer can end up having the opposite effect. So one of the fears around... Um, uh, safety equipment is that actually athletes become a little bit more complacent thinking they're invincible because they're wearing particular protective kits. And, uh, y- you know, I, 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 when I was, uh, when I was playing rugby, you know, a, a couple of decades ago, when, um, scrum caps first got introduced, or certainly the, the modern scrum cap got first introduced, actually, I think it made some of my colleagues a little bit complacent because, you know, they thought, well, my head's protected now, so therefore it doesn't really matter how I tackle. It doesn't really matter where my head ends up on the floor. Um, And the same thing's happened in American football is that the the better the protective clothing, actually it's meant that athletes have felt that they, you know, they don't have to tackle properly or it doesn't really matter how they fall. Um, Whereas when you're aware of, I guess the possible kind of risks and harms that might might result actually maybe you, you take a little bit more caution so I think there's a, a kind of complacency that sometimes comes in through sort of safety equipment protective equipment uh, as a result, which is perversely the opposite of what was initially intended, and also sometimes it enables us to do things in a more dangerous way. so if you think about some of the the high risk Adventure sports that we have now, they're only possible because of the technology. So things like base jumping and wingsuit flying, you know, without that technology, we, there's no way we could have kind of thrown ourselves off the off a cliff and, uh, you know, ended up uh, uh, just the other side of a lake, you know, th- it would have been impossible. So technology doesn't necessarily make things safer, or it can make things safer, but it can have unintended consequences as a result.
0: Mm. Yeah, let's, let's then talk about what technology does to our self understanding as, as athletes and our understanding of our bodies. I think those are some of, there are some dangers that we already kind of touched upon last time.
1: Yeah, I think that sometimes we can. Kind of get ruled by what the technology says and forget about what we actually feel. And I think earlier you said around the fact that, you know, technology can be so good that actually we can, it can regulate us in terms of whether we're overtraining and it can say, oh, we've, you know, this is the optimum amount of time that we should be training for. And therefore, once you've reached this time, then you have to stop. So actually, it kind of technology can be a way of, of, preventing us from you know understanding our own bodies and how we're actually feeling and and you can imagine that happening in a sport where um you know a a, a player on a pitch is feeling really good about how they're playing they're playing well their body feels good and then the coach says to them well hang on a minute you know actually our our systems are telling us that um you've run around too much and we need to take you off the pitch at the moment and this this player is saying well hang on a minute I feel really good my body feels good I want to carry on playing um so in a way we've got to be careful that technology and systems don't kind of dictate to us what we should or shouldn't be doing and this that's again it's that very kind of instrumental approach to our bodies thinking that we can quantify everything in such a way that we we've we've kind of lost our autonomy we've lost our ability to to feel how our body is and to listen to our kind of feelings as well
0: I was just working on on writing a paper earlier today and 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 there's a story of this young footballer and and he's just kind of saying that his whole life just became optimizing himself, you know, ra- eating the right things at the right time and having the right amount of rest at the right time as well, you know, sleeping enough and, and not doing things that will interfere with you being on the optimal <laughs> shape when it's the next training or the next competition. And then he's just saying that he couldn't do anything that he wanted to do anymore. Like his life became completely controlled by the sport. And actually, he decided that this is not the way he wants to live his life. And he stopped doing sport altogether and 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 oriented to you know other things, studying and and all that. So I guess that would be one of the dangers that we see ourselves and and our sport just as kind of this endless project of optimizing everything
1: yeah i think i think you're right and and, and i think it's quite it, it's quite scary really um i was reading a, a an art news article today about these kind of super pig farms in china and how the 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 owner of this farm was saying you know they've, they've got it set up so the pigs have got exactly uh, the right nutrition exactly the right uh, uh, quantities of food, exactly the the right quantities of exercise, exactly this. And I was thinking, wow, you know, these poor pigs, you know, <laughs> they're just. And you can imagine that being translated to to human lives. The fact that actually we're told, right, this is as an elite athlete, this is what you need to eat, this is how much you need to eat, this is how much you need to sleep. And if you don't do that, then you, as you say, you know, you you're not you're not optimizing your body, you're not optimizing yourselves. And and it kind of takes the autonomy away from the individual and it actually stops treating them like humans. And the fact that humans, you know, sometimes, yes, we do do things that aren't necessarily good for us, but at least we've got some agency and auto- autonomy to decide or to feel that we've got a, a way of deciding how we live our lives and what's important to us. And I think that that idea about elite sport trying to optimise everything Yes, I can understand that they're trying to get the right results in terms of, you know, the, the team performances or the individual performances. But actually, it's it's quite frightening when you think about how, you know, the extremes of that and how far we could go down that that path.
0: Yeah, last time you mentioned that kind of situation has been a little bit different in team sport compared to individual sport. I
1: think it's I think it's changing. I really do think it's changing because everything is now trying to be quantified trying to be measured so even in team sports it's it's it is changing traditionally i think team sports have allowed a a lot more kind of qualitative uh, and agency and autonomy um and creativity whereas i think it is changing that you know the kind of performance analysts now and nutritionalists are trying to quantify and optimize everything in in the in the pursuit of a, a, a win
0: and I mean, Heidegger, in in his late writing, I, I think he had quite a gloomy view on this, that technological thinking becomes the only way of thinking mm. and kind of the only way of thinking that we know and and what is accepted. And sometimes if you think of high level sport, that seems that might be the case. You know, the only thing we are concerned about is that what we are quantifying seems to be The right that we are getting indication that things are at the right kind of where they are supposed to be and, and the athlete's experience and this, this kind of, uh, life world and the intrinsic values of sport get, are getting more and more lost. And I guess Heidegger didn't really see a way out from that. What are your thoughts? Like, how can we, save some humanity in 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 the world of elite sport I think that in in terms of elite sport I think
1: that we just need to try and put in place some mechanisms whereby athletes I guess uh, we, we keep asking athletes and coaches and administrators to reflect upon the value of sport and what really sport should really be about. And I think, you know, I, I would say that most coaches genuinely kind of care for their athletes. Um it's just that the systems around it and the way that sport elite sport is set up is down this kind of quantitative technological route. Um so I think that we we just need to keep kind of raising these questions um and also trying to come back I guess that the more the more that we kind of understand what sport is and understand what kind of a, a good human life is, then actually it's beneficial for everybody to make sure that we don't forget, forget that. Um, so as you said, you know, your athlete that you, that you mentioned earlier gave up sport. Well, we don't want athletes to give up sport. And actually we t- you know, we don't want good athletes to give up sport. So perhaps if there's a kind of a more of a, a an impetus, a push on ensuring that, athletes and coaches and administrators you know we we force them to question around kind of the value of sport the nature of sport and the fact that yeah winning kind of does does matter but it shouldn't be the only thing and actually you know the best the best sports environments are those which give people a kind of broader meaning and value to their lives so we want we want sports clubs we want um sports to be set up in a way that actually it does reflect those broader human values that that make our life worth living.
0: I think when we talk about technology, we can we could clearly see one uh, specific area of sport where that can probably have a lot of value and that can make it possible for more people to participate in sport and and as you say, hopefully find find meaning in value in sport and and what I'm talking about is, is disability sport. So a lot of these technological advances are now making it possible for more people to participate who who could not do that without without these technologies.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And we shouldn't think that technology is bad in itself, you know, because actually there are many you know, there are many technologies that make our lives richer, make our lives better. Um, but it's just about that kind of balance and how we use it and actually as you said you know the way in which to ensure that more people can take part in, in sport um through technology the better so actually in terms of disability and para sport technology is really has really made people's lives richer because they're able to do things that otherwise they wouldn't be able to do and you know incredible performances as a result so i think that you know in terms of inclusive technologies and adaptive technologies I think that is really where technology is is can be seen as a good thing in just enabling people to live kind of richer um and and more fruitful lives so you know to be able to take part um in a running race through the use of prosthetics and have that kind of feeling of being able to 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 run or to be able to climb mountains through the use of, um, adaptive technologies. I mean, that's, that's really where technology should be seen as a, as a good thing, just to be able to make sports more inclusive, um, and particip- participatory. So, yeah, I, de- I definitely think we should, you know, <laughs> technology is not bad in itself, um, because there are some amazing things that come as a result of, of technologies. We just need to be
0: kind of careful in how we're using it, um, and why we're using it. Then we also come to the interesting question with, for example, Paralympic sports that are are some of these athletes actually having an unfair advantage compared to athletes who do not have these technologies. I guess there was some debates with Oscar Pistorius some years ago that maybe he has an advantage. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a really a diff- difficult question to, to answer. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it was in a, in a way, I don't know if you remember, but there were when Oscar Pistorius was, um, competing in able bodied events and people said it was unfair. And then there was a, this whole yeah. battery of tests that he was undertaking to see whether he ha- had an unfair advantage or not. Well, you can never tell whether he's got an unfair advantage or whether somebody's got who has prosthetic limbs has an unfair advantage because you you're kind of you've got no control subject it's not like you've got Pistorius with um human limbs and Pistorius with prosthetic limbs and you can kind of compare the two like how would he run if he wasn't wearing prosthetics and and therefore all these tests were totally totally meaningless really um because how on earth can you, you you judge whether actually he has an unfair advantage or he doesn't have an unfair advantage because you don't know what it would be like in a different world where he didn't have to wear prosthetics. Um, I think the question is, is, is what Pistorus and, and those other athletes that wear prosthetic limbs, are they, are they doing the same thing effectively? Are they, are they still running? Um, or are they not doing the same thing? And, you know, that, that's a, a judgment that I think other people probably need, need to make in terms of is running with prosthetics, the same as running without prosthetics, um, but you can't you can't do any scientific tests to see whether you know it gives you an unfair advantage or not.
0: Mm. Yeah, and just like we talked earlier, that having these technologies make it makes it possible or made it possible for him to compete at mm. all in in running, and so so that would be definitely the value of that. And then if we think about which categories he can run in or he cannot run in. I, I'm i sure we can somehow solve those issues. But the point of having having people do sport who couldn't do that without the technologies would be kind of a really important one.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it comes back to what constitutes good sport. So, you know, in, in defence of, of Pistorius, um, I, I think he wanted to ensure that he was taking part in meaningful sport. So if he felt and he was able to compete in a sport where he was getting good competition, then that would be better than him taking part in a sport where he wasn't getting good competition because let's say he would be winning the race by a mile that he didn't even have to put the effort in. So that's not good sport. We want to ensure that sport is kind of meaningful in the sense that you, you know, you're testing yourself against others of similar abilities. And, and so I think in terms of the argument around Pistorius, he, he wanted that good competition for himself. And that's to me, that's understandable.
0: Yeah. That, that comes back to what we have already kind of discussed in our our previous episode about what makes good sport and we talked about uh, having opponents who are in completely different level from where you are and so that would be just like you said an important argument for Pistorius that if he's competing with them he's not like a lot better but he's not a lot worse than the others then most likely he's somewhere around in the in the right category of of competition even if he has a little bit different means of of competing um it would be also really nice to move to we talked about issues about uh, you know elite sport and and rules and whether some a formula 1 car is like <laughs> it's whether there is like a too big a difference in the technological advances that one team has over, over another. But if we think a little bit about most people, the rest of us who are, who are doing our sport and exercise in non elite level and, and we talked a little bit about the running technology last time, like the GPS watches and, and those kind of things and how they can really take control over your running. So it's, it's not who you go. Who you goes for a run and you decide whether you're happy with it, but it's, it's the watch that will decide whether, <laughs> whether, or you let your watch decide whether that was a good run based on the data that you get out of it. So what do you think would be some of the ways that we could maybe think about the technology in a bit more positive and, and productive way and, and uh, that wouldn't take over our, our life world when we are playing sport and exercise more recreationally.
1: Yeah, I think you said it in the fact that we've got to keep reminding ourselves that technology shouldn't rule our lives. Um, and actually, we should be using technology to, to enrich our lives, but not to um, kind of oversee our lives in the sense that it dictates what we should or shouldn't be doing or it dictates, you know, what is good and what is not so good. Um so I think it's always, you know, maybe it's 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 about kind of being a bit subversive with technology and actually thinking, well, I'm not gonna go for a five K run today. I'm just gonna run till I feel kind of that I don't wanna run anymore and then I'll I'll leave it. And if it ends up being a kind of a, a four point nine nine eight K run, then that's that's good enough. So I think that we just need to keep reminding ourselves that technology shouldn't, shouldn't dictate to us what we do. And, uh, and I think probably just, just using it, as I say, for, for our benefits, and so that it isn't, it isn't c- kind of controlling us. And it isn't, yes, if if we want to kind of have nudges to make, you know, if we've got reminders on our phone, say, you know, you need to get out and go for a walk at this moment, because you've been sat down for the last, you know, three hours, then maybe that is a beneficial use of technology. But it's just to think, okay, well, just because my watch or my phone tells me I need to get up and go for a walk, I don't have to get up and go for a walk. If I, if I want to go and do something else, then that, that's up to me. So I guess it's just trying to be a bit subversive, a bit rebellious sometimes against kind of technology and kind of accepting accepting what it is to be human and to be fallible and to do things that, you know, aren't necessarily always in our own interests or aren't necessarily for our own good but kind of think about those broader philosophical questions around you know what what does make my life worth living um, and what what do, I, what do I what do I want from my life? Um, so as long as we keep you know reminding ourselves of those types of questions, then I think it should hopefully keep keep technology um, kind of at, at, at a distance from us rather than controlling us.
0: I think there is definitely the danger of of technology controlling us in terms of how much nowadays there's also the emphasis of, you know, in addition to you should be doing physical activity or exercise in the evening, it's also like you shouldn't be sitting for more than 30 minutes at the time and and then you will get the reminder on your computer or watch or something that you have to stand up and now you have to move. So I think there is very easily that danger that, you know, our kind of health technology very much starts to dictate how what kind of movement and physical activity you need to do but so we have I think we have explored like quite the range of different topics and jumped around a little bit but so to to wrap up maybe maybe we can do a bit of a summary of of the different things and maybe you can reflect a little bit on 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 the dangers but but also on kind of what would be the best ways to use technology in in a positive and 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 in a way that supports meaningful participation
1: yeah i mean i'm not i'm definitely not anti technology because i think technology can be incredibly enabling and and making our lives better but i think that we just we just need to be wary in terms of how technology is used how it fits with the concept of, of good sport. Um, but I, as well accept the fact that we, you know, humans I think by their nature are, are problem solvers. So when we see a problem we also look for a solution and that's usually a technological solution. But at the same time be aware that solutions often create their own new problems. So this kind of revenge effect of technology means that sometimes we can think that we're solving one problem through some technological innovation, but actually create another problem as a consequence. And, and that's that goes for you know, the fact that either technology creates problems around fairness, or it can create problems around um, safety and, and harm. So I think it's just about... Technology can be a real force for good. It can ha- make our lives better. But at the same time, we need to just be wary of it. So we've we'll always hold it at kind of arm's length, I think.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful summary. So uh, yeah, it has been very exciting and, and thought-provoking as well. So thank you so much for the discussion. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research through Podcast.